Hello and welcome to another episode of Time Extend. My name is Adam Ismail and as always today I am joined by... Brendan Norrison and Adam are finally back talking some Sega racers and it's one that to be honest I'm surprised we haven't talked about that much. We are of course going to be talking about Outrun 2 or Outrun 2006 depending on what your exposure to this title was. Yeah, the whole Outrun 2 sort of lineage uh, spans many, many different pieces of hardware and uh, many different releases. But yeah, this is a this is a very popular Sega racer. You know, I, I think one of the the last, maybe the last great Sega arcade racer, and one that we've never really discussed much. And although it might be sacrilegious to say, and and we'll get into it, I, I do have kind of a complicated. Uh, um, relationship with Outrun 2 in 2006 because they're they're great games they're just like not they're not really racing games they're a different sort of thing and so like I don't it's re- I, I don't really put them in the same place as like a Daytona or a Sega Rally or a Scud Race because like to me they're a different thing but what they are is still very um, you know just just a very blissful you know just fun uh, relaxing experience, and uh, there there are no other racing games like like Outrun Two. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's probably more accurate to call it a, a driving game more than anything. Because to be honest, as far as the racing goes, obviously it's in here as we we'll want to discuss. But I've never really felt that's the showstopper racing other people that type of thing. I think Outrun Two and Two Thousand Six, Two SP, whatever. It's always been more about that journey of driving these cars across incredible vistas and um, doing very strange requests that your girlfriend asks for along the way. It's it's um it's a game and it, it's a game that really has no direct comparison. I think a lot of companies have tried to emulate what Outrun brings to the table, but as we'll discuss today, I just feel as if this title does so much well that going back to it is always a treat, and I think that's why. It's it's almost ironic, I suppose, that it's twinned with such a, a strange license in Ferrari that makes it like a game that will probably not return in the near future, I would guess. But I mean that's that's one of the reasons why it's so great to return to this one specifically, because I still think it holds up more than enough. Absolutely. I mean it's a it's a timeless game and I think there's a reason why although Outrun 2 wasn't, you know, the, these kinds of of arcade games even late 2000s were not really uh the most um, you know, sort of fashionable exciting thing. Uh this game I think probably more than any other Sega racer developed a real cult following because uh I think it really appealed to people who wanted a game that was just about you know the journey and just the the fun of just driving through these like locales so many different locales um you know wind in your hair uh girl by your side just that sort of atmosphere is not something that any other any other racing game has provided and so i think you still hear people today just sort of talk about outrun 2 in like a very um you know misty-eyed way uh and it's funny because we've seen so many, you know, indi- like sort of independently developed racing games that that try to go back to the '90s and and you know cultivate some of that uh, lost sort of flavor in the genre. Um, but Outrun Two is still kind of its own thing. There's there's never really been anything like it. So uh, w- with that said, um, we can probably just set up some background about this game. And the funny thing about Outrun is that, like, there there were so many releases in this, you know, franchise, I guess if you could call it, between the original back in the mid-80s uh, all the way up until Outrun 2. You had Turbo Outrun and uh, 2019 and Outrunners and games, honestly, I have not really ever played because I, <laughs> I just either have not seen them in arcades or I didn't have a Genesis back in the day, so... They're sort of lost to me. Uh, but then in 2003, you get Outrun 2. So it, in a way, it almost invalidates all of those games that came before, <laughs> which is kind of, you know, a shame because, like, uh, 
I've never played like 2019 or Turbo, but I, I know that um, Outrunners is, I, I've seen footage of Outrunners and it's a really cool looking game and, and that game has like an awesome soundtrack. So, uh, you know, in a way, it's almost like a, a slight that's like, yeah, just pretend all those other games didn't exist. This is a real <laughs> sequel. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty odd because I think it's one of those ones as well where the fact that they weren't kind of directly numbered as sequels tells a story as well because, I mean, there's a direct kind of evolution of the concept between the original Outrun and Outrun 2, I suppose, whereas with those other ones, it was more an exploration of how that kind of concept of gameplay could be advanced to like kind of technological advancements that type of thing whereas i think like outrun 2 deserves the moniker i think it it does try and kind of say what can we do with this concept we had originally and it it obviously did that job pretty well because it isn't uncommon to see people say you know what i don't have much time for the original outrun i don't really get what makes it great but outrun 2 just struck a chord with me and i think that type of attitude shows that Outrun 2 was able to kind of take the concept and, and put it in a different format and although I think we'll, we'll get onto this at some point as well, the gameplay in 2 is very streamlined and almost simplistic in nature, especially when the original is still so incredibly challenging today, but I think there was like a really good reason to, to take that type of idea of driving the journey and put it in a package that everybody is able to experience but not everybody will be able to master in the typical arcade style absolutely and i think that that's why it's a game that everyone can enjoy um you know this is when you try to to look into the history of this game you know i actually was not able to find a ton on the am2 side but thankfully the uh the folks from sumo who worked on this game uh, have have been featured in a number of interviews and they can sort of lend their pr- perspective to it and um, one of the quotes I actually want to start with actually, actually is it would seem like it's kind of in the weeds because it deals with the Ferrari license and stuff but I think it perfectly speaks to why Outrun 2 um, was such a success in terms of achieving what it set out to and why people love it so much um And it's a quote from a a rock, paper, shotgun interview. Uh, Steve Lysette, who um, was was one of the producers on the game from the sumo side, was talking about how they were able to uh, get Ferrari to not only, you know, Sega obviously already had the Ferrari license from from dealing with them with the original arcade game, but for Outrun 2006, they wanted to add a number of modified cars to the game. Uh, And so Lysette's talking about it. And he says uh, that they were kind of expecting Ferrari to be like, no, you can't, you can't offer tuned versions of our cars. We're never going to sign off on that. Like Ferrari, obviously, as we know, is a very <laughs> traditional brand, and they don't let anyone fuck with their stuff. I mean, even in GT Sport, uh, there's no livery on like the Ferrari four four fifty eight GT three, you know. So they they have their ways. Uh, but Lysette says that, you know, we're all expecting a straight out, no, we're not going to do this, that's ridiculous. But instead, they spent quite a lot of time with us designing paintwork and body body kits to fit the cars as they'd done it themselves. So we wound up with something quite authentic. Then he goes on to say, um, what you normally get if you work with car manufacturers is that they're keen you don't show the car being damaged. But Ferrari's thought is that the spirit of the game is to go on the most beautiful journey in the most perfect weather, and the car is part of that journey. There's this preconception that car manufacturers tend to be quite prima donna-ish about it. But as long as you can explain to them the spirit and the ethos of what you're doing, generally you're fine, you'll find they're quite supportive. And I think that going on the most beautiful journey in the most beautiful car in the most beautiful weather is that right there is what OutRun 2 is about. And so, you know, maybe it's no surprise that a company like Ferrari was so into this idea. Yeah, absolutely. So it's Teddy Foss down to a T, really. Um, the stars of the show here are the cars just as much as the beautiful environments because they just complement each other so damn well. I think that's exemplified by the fact that in 2006, which is the version I've been playing in prep for this podcast, you're like you just you get two cars to start off with in that game. Uh, the it's a 240 Dino, and I can't remember the other one. Um, uh, three, three fifty-six. 
Ah, that's it, yeah, exactly. Sorry, my mind was totally blank in there. And, like, you're just looking at those two cars, and you'd be more than happy to play through the entirety of the game just between those two, because they're just two, two Ferraris that are very distinctly different in shape and poise and, and driving style as well, to a certain extent. And it's just like the perfect intro to what the Ferraris are supposed to be in that game. We, we talked about the idea of hero cars. I think Outrun 2006 isn't quite right to call them hero cars. It's definitely just that star power, though, that makes it feel like almost a Hollywood production. Just like it just completes the entire atmosphere of the game in a way that, say, a, a kind of generic made up car couldn't. And I don't know, it just gives it that extra credibility of the experience in a, some strange way. Absolutely. I mean, this game is, it's funny when you play it and you also think back to like Ferrari's, uh, you know, Formula One, uh, you know, team at the time and Schumacher and Barrichello. And when you're driving these, uh, you know, these, these routes in OutRun 2 in 2006, you see uh, Shell and AMD and Bridgestone billboards everywhere because they were like yeah. Ferrari's biggest partners. So it, 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 you know, this game is clad head to toe in Ferrari, and and this is why I've always said that like I think that the way that you get around weird licensing issues is if you are so into the brand and if you come with it, come come to them with such a love for what they've built that you know you're able to convince Ferrari this is a celebration of Ferrari, uh, you know, it happens to be in a game that we've made and, you know, outrun, y you would almost think that Ferrari would be kind of uh, standoffish against Sega because the original game didn't license a Testarossa because it was a thing kind of before <laughs> licensing was really, uh, you know, commonplace in the medium. But Ferrari understood that, you know, the Testarossa was uh, going to be a hit either way, but OutRun really endeared it to a generation, uh, a particular subset of fans, and they had Sega to thank for that. And, you know, Sega obviously had Ferrari to thank. So it, it was just kind of this mutual appreciation, I think, for what they both did. That's how you get a game like, like OutRun 2. And the way it found its way to um, home consoles is actually quite interesting because... You know, at this time, the the game was designed for an arcade board uh, called the Chihiro, which was essentially an Xbox with 128 megabits of uh, RAM in, uh, instead of 64. And so they basically had this game that was that was made essentially for an Xbox. Um, you know, just the just the slightly more powerful uh, arcade version of it. And so it was always going to be a pretty, uh, not an easy lift for a port, nothing is necessarily easy, but it was well suited for the Xbox hardware, so naturally that was where it ended up first. And, and this game uh, released in arcades around the world in, in late 2003, like right at the end of 2003 in like November and December, and then a year later, you have uh, the port that came, came to the Xbox. Uh, in all regions and was developed by Sumo Digital. And this would be the start of uh, a very close relationship between Sega and Sumo that honestly still still goes to this day. You know, the Sumo Digital is responsible for all of the Sega, um, Sega and Sonic All-Stars racing games and Team Sonic Racing. And uh, the two the the two entities, it, it's kind of like an unlikely romance, but it all started here without Run 2. Um, and if you if you read interviews with Sumo personnel, they say like this this was it. Like they were so happy with with the accurate conversion that we were able to do without Run Two that that's how it led to games like Virtual Tennis falling under Sumo's purview. And you know, Sumo is so good at this and proved to be so good at this early on that you would play the the home ports of Outrun 2 and then 2006 and you would never think uh, if you hadn't seen the Sumo logo in the beginning of the game you would think that Sega poured it themselves because it was done with that with that level of attention to detail so the thing is Sumo are masters of the craft they they understand how to take an arcade title and put it on console. And the thing about that is it's not just in terms of getting it perfect the way Sega would have wanted it in terms of the representation on the console, 
but there's a different expectancy level from the audience there. They, they want a fully featured experience that not only has that incredible gameplay, but has other reasons to play on top of that, typically through a lot of content. And the, the finished version of Outrun 2006, the version that I played, you're talking like 30 locations in there, loads of Ferrari cars plus the Outrun models of those cars, the coast to coast modes, the dedicated mission mode, heart, heart attack, like there's just, there's so many different ways to play a game which is effectively drifting a Ferrari around a never ending road to a certain extent, but there's just so much to get stuck into and it's put together so nicely that you would genuinely believe, like like you were saying Adam, like it wasn't actually Sumo that added a lot of this kind of additional content and window dressing, you would believe it came from Sega themselves because they they just get it right, they, they totally zo like get zoned in on the vibe of what Outrun 2 was, improved that in 2006 with the addition of just so much more content. And I think the testament to how well they did in that regard is that I don't see many people asking for a new outrun, but I do see a lot of people asking for 2006 to be remastered or re-released on future consoles or the, the ones we've got now, because truth be told, I think Sumo hit it out of the park so much with their handling of this on console. There just isn't really much else you could add that would like, kind of merit a full new release in the series. So I think that kind of sums up just how well Sumo handled the project. And I can only imagine that Sega were absolutely buzzing with that as well. Yeah, and, and Sega, you know, it's kind of sad because you look at some of these interviews, uh, Kikizo, uh, an old website, I don't believe is around anymore. They, they interviewed some people from AM2. Um, well, actually, they, they interviewed AM2's uh, Makoto Osaki and Kat Sato uh, from Sega Europe, who Kat Sato shows up in a lot of stories. If you read about MSR, actually, he was sort of instrumental in forging the relationship with Bizarre Creations to get that game onto the Dreamcast. So, you know, Sega understood at this time that this was a hard sell for a home product. And... You know, gone at this point, even by 2004, were the days of Sega Rally with three tracks and three cars, Daytona with, you know, three or four tracks and one car. Like, they, they weren't, you know, they knew that it was going to be a hard sell when in the days where content was, was now king and the quantity of that content, right? So the interview actually that I found with Osaki takes a very interesting turn almost instantaneously uh, and, and Kikizo asked him, you know, you express concern about the large rental and used game markets that exist in the West and how that might be an obstacle in bringing out Run 2 home. Are you still worried about that and will you be adding anything to the game to increase its longevity? Uh, and, and he said he was still worried about that, but Katsato and, and Sumo gave them a lot of ideas about what could be put into the Xbox version. Um, I, I just, you know, b both on the level of like the cars and also like in the first, uh, the first release of Outrun 2 on Xbox, you had like those trading cards that were pretty cool. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you had uh, heart attack mode and time trial and, and the mission mode. And also it had Xbox Live support. So like, it, it's interesting that Sega took this game that honestly, like if you if you consider all of the racing games, I feel like Outrun 2 is probably the most, if you're gonna make that console game, it, it needs the most content because it's not really a game that's based around racing as we've said. And you have those, those 15 courses, sure, but they're very short. Uh, it's a game that's both weirdly very replayable, but also very limited at the same time. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it, it would make sense that it was uh, one of Sega's first concerns that, you know, this game isn't going to translate well for a home audience. And I actually didn't realize this, but Outrun 2 was released as a sort of budget title in the US. Uh, it was $40 as opposed to $50, uh, which was like the standard price of, of most Xbox games. So, um yeah, Sega was Sega was aware of this, and Sumo understood that and brought a lot of things to the table. And you know, one of the things, not to get ahead of ourselves, but uh, it was actually 
both Sumo and Sega kind of had the idea to add the uh, the Scud Race and Daytona two tracks to that original Port of Outrun two. It, Sumo kind of went to Sega and said, "Hey, you know, do you have anything that that we could offer?" And they were like, "Well, you could you could toss this in there." <laughs> and you know, you wouldn't say that two bonus tracks are really going to be a big difference to like most casual players they're going to make them go through the whole game for that but obviously to any sega arcade racing fan you know i i yeah. knew that that those tracks were in the game when i started playing and i just knew i had to beat it so i could so i could unlock them it was the <laughs> most important thing to me and still i i think it would rank as probably like the coolest bonus content that's ever been in a racing game yeah, absolutely. I think especially when you consider that in the case of Scud Race um, and Daytona too, I suppose, um, like th there was never a, a home console release. So that's like the closest you're getting to those tracks, really, especially in a, a gameplay format that it works really well in as well. I was always surprised at how well those tracks were to drive in the Outrun engine. Um, and it's... It's a shame they never actually carried over into 2006. Did we ever get a reason for that, Adam? I couldn't find anything specifically about why they didn't come across. I think at that point, I, I couldn't find a reason, but I think it's just like once they had the Outrun SP courses in there, so you have a, a essential you know duplication of the content in that game, uh, they just, you know, maybe they just wanted to focus on certain things and it, yeah. it just wasn't in the cards. It is, it is very unfortunate. Um, but I mean, that's, that's kind of why as much as I love 2006, because it has so much, like the original Outrun 2 port's my favorite because <laughs> you can just drive yeah. those tracks. I think as well, it's just the, the technical prowess of the Xbox really does, um, have that slight edge as well. It's not anything incredibly noticeable, but there's definitely a, I feel like the Xbox version shines a bit more. And then also just on the kind of cut content side of things as well, the um, the Xbox release of Outrun 2 had the um, the original game, didn't it, unlockable as well? Whereas in 2006, that's gone. Yes, it did, which I had I had completely forgotten about. Um, yeah. And you know, in this day and age, those kinds of of inclusions are don't mean as much because you know, of course, we have the amazing M2 port and. And stuff like that but at the time it was very very cool uh you know i i remember that was probably the first time i ever played the original outrun when i was a kid and uh you know i, I very quickly found it harder than outrun 2 which is kind of <laughs> yeah, funny exactly <laughs> i still really struggle with the original outrun to be honest i've played so many of the ports across the years and i'm still absolutely trash at it yeah not not an easy game at all um but yeah i mean sumo was absolutely the right partner for this project and and actually like sega was pretty hands-off with them as they were uh you know converting outrun 2 basically you know they they were told make this as close you know make this essentially you know arcade perfect and that's it that's really all we want you know add the content obviously that that needs to be added for its version of the game but but sega wasn't sort of like you know constantly over their shoulder imposing things on them and it seems like that made for a very a comfortable uh development environment and all but also one that you know where they had a clear goal and they knew exactly what they wanted to do uh it wasn't until the end of the process it seems that that someone from from am2 came over and really played the game and did the qa testing uh, to, to really make sure it was 100% accurate. Um, they had an Outrun 2 cabinet in the office, so they were constantly going back and forth and comparing. Uh, but yeah, it's just... You know, it, 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 would, it would make sense that, you know, just the most carefree fun racing game seemed to have a very... Not, not carefree development process, obviously, but just seemed <laughs> to go that smoothly because, you know, Outrun 2 is a very... It's a very simple game on the surface, and it's just, in, you know, it's just purely enjoyable. So um, I, I just feel like that comes through when you hear these people talk about working on the game. Uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't really a thing that was like fraught with complexity. It was just like just just make this game as fun and as pretty as possible. I think that's the the most incredible part, really, when you think about it, that level of confidence that Sega must have had in Sumo. 
right from the off because it does seem as if they were able to just kind of do what they needed to do with the, the, the license and, and make what they felt would make it a full compelling console release. Because you think about it, the, the AM2 representative coming through the kind of latter stages of development, that could have been a very stressful time and maybe it was just in that case that you've been left to your own devices for a lot of this and someone could come over right away and say like this part isn't right, this part isn't right and like then it could throw the whole project up there a bit but obviously Sumo felt as if they understood the assignment well enough so they were more than happy to crack on. Sega were also very happy to let them go ahead and do that and um, it just seems like it was a match made in heaven and uh, it results in a, a game that is just like absurdly playable and so so brilliant to play from a technical perspective as well because the version that I've been playing isn't even the PlayStation 2 version, I've been playing the PSP version <laughs> for most of it and like even with the kind of added benefit of some emulator stuff in there because I've, I've not been using actual hardware, PlayStation hardware to play it it's, it's still just, it's, a, it's an absolute marvel in the sense that it's so one-to-one for a lot of for a lot of it in terms of what the PlayStation 2 version is like and that, that's just that's a, just a testament to what Sumo were able to offer because you think about how many platforms they were developing this for and, and it's a consistent great experience on all of them. I only wish I'd been able to play the kind of native PC version which is something I've sadly never had the, the joy of experience. Yeah, and, and this game made onto everything, and that PSP port is very impressive because you think about the fact that this game started on essentially a super-powered Xbox. Uh, yeah. And they were able to condense it to PSP. Now, the PSP version does have, like, I've been playing it on my Vita, and it does have some uh, issues in terms of maintaining a safe frame rate. If you're doing kind of yeah. singular runs, you know, where, where you're just like regular outrun mode it's not too bad but anytime you're doing a mission where there are other cars and they're drifting and they you know you see the smoke from their tires and stuff the game does does take quite a hit but it, it's i mean at least on the vita because they kind of left it uncapped if you are doing a time attack or something like that i think it's 60 frames Maybe, maybe, maybe yeah, not yeah. quite sexy, but it feels really, really smooth. It's just when other cars kind of come into the mix that that things really slow down, and then you feel like it's thirty or worse. There definitely is scenarios. Or sorry, there are scenarios where it seems to hit that sixty mark because you immediately notice that smoothness, and it's like, oh, where did that come from? And then it will kind of dip a little bit again, and. Yeah, like you're saying, it's not perfect, but it's not like Sega Rally 2 or Dreamcast levels of variation here. It's, it's very much for the type of game it is as well. It doesn't intrude the experience. Maybe sometimes you get that weird, like almost like an elastic band effect, where you kind of feel as if the you can see the frame rate changing in real time almost, and it, it looks odd visually, but it's nothing that really kind of removes the experience. And like you say, you start from that supercharged Xbox, and you, you work your way down to all these different platforms and they, they still all offer a, a very good experience of the game and, and one that, especially back in the days of the, the PSP's prime, like, what a joyful game to have on the go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was probably my favourite PSP game because, you know, here it, it really did not sacrifice anything to the console versions. I mean, hey, like, if you're talking about OutRun 2006 versus 2, you have essentially double the tracks, you have a lot more cars. So I actually, back in the day, I had OutRun 2 for the for the original Xbox, but when it came time to get 2006, I got for the PSP because that was the platform yeah. uh, where I was really going to... You know, the ability to take a game like that on the road was, was fantastic. And you also talk about, like, the music, too. I mean... Outrun music is is beloved by people who don't even care about Outrun their racing games. <laughs> and so in addition to those yeah. classic three tracks, you have, um, and then this applies to the arcade version too, you have songs that honestly to me mean even more, like uh, Shiny World and Risky Ride. And these uh, console versions had sort of Euro remixes by Richard Jacques, and they had uh, classic tracks as well. You had like the original uh, you know, three like the 1986 magical sound shower and stuff like that. You had songs from uh, from like Turbo Outrun. My personal favorite being Russia Difficulty. Uh, yeah. The 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 only you know 
there there are some games in the history of the franchise like outrunners had an amazing soundtrack those those songs don't really appear in these games but a, a very uh a very sort of eclectic mix of of all these different kind of takes on these uh, on these you know beloved songs and you know in 2006 you could even like they were something that weren't necessarily unlocked from the start you had to buy them which i always thought was pretty cool uh and it's it's just a great celebration of what these games are all about and that's one of the things i think without run it's it's one of those like games that musically is it's so important to experience you know like an r4 for example or, or something like that that uh or, or wipe out that when i just hear those songs you know i have a spotify playlist and l luckily sega's uploaded like the entire outrun discography to spotify so i'll just yes. i'll just put those on i mean brendan we were we were uh driving you know early <laughs> last year uh when we were yeah. going out to Largs, we put the outrun soundtrack on and it was uh <laughs> it was perfect yeah absolutely and it's I mean, don't get me wrong, that trip was in a Peugeot 308, not quite a Grand <laughs> Testarossa or otherwise, but it was still good fun. But yeah, from a music point of view, you were saying like Rush A Difficulty makes the cut, and then it just so happens that my favourite as well, Keep Your Heart from Turbo Outrun, makes the cut. And I think that's the thing that's really interesting about the music selection, it's just so wide and varied, because, listen, we know it's easy to default to Splash, Wave and Magical Sound Shower, they're fantastic, even Risky Ride as well, phenomenal songs. But Outrun 2006 is a great way to be introduced to all these other songs from the many different releases and the confusingly named games that aren't part of the main series. Like, there's there's just so many tracks in here and in and, and classic sumo fashion as well as far as the attention to detail goes. They do really cool things as well. If it's like the original versions of the songs, they'll make the songs play through the radio as if they're coming through a radio, as stupid as that sounds, like they add that little bit of kind of fuzziness to the music and it, it just like, it's not like over the top, so you're like, oh I understand what they're doing there, but it's like if you if you just listen closely you can hear that the music isn't quite as crisp as the Outrun 2 versions or the, the Euro remixes. And it's just little touches like that as well that make the music in the game absolutely phenomenal. They're, they're like, obviously when I played through it when I was younger, I just couldn't see past the Euro remixes because I thought they were so cool. So it was always those that I would choose. But obviously, um, as I've got a bit older, I've actually started just enjoying having some of the more kind of slower chilled ones in there. And I think that's the cool thing about the remixes as well because Obviously in a game like Outrun you could just make it so every single remix is kind of cranked to the max, like techno versions of all the songs, but they don't go down that route. For a lot of these songs the remixes are actually maybe a bit slower paced than the originals, such as Keep Your Heart, because the the Outrun 2 version of that song in the, rem in the remix version sorry, is definitely a, a much different vibe to the original, but it just works perfectly. We talked about the Ferraris feeling perfect in the Outrun 2 experience. And the music also just encapsulates that. There's just everything about this game, and I know this doesn't all go on Sumo's shoulders, it obviously goes down to AM2 as well, but it's just, the experience just feels so perfectly polished that there, there are very little parts of it you can call out beyond maybe not enjoying the physics as much as you would like to and that type of thing. The actual core experience they're trying to create here and what they put on console it's just such a thrilling experience and it's it, it's honestly a fantastic way to play or sorry hear these songs to tie it back to the main topic we're discussing here i feel as if this is like a, a greatest hits almost of outrun and the, the songs they've chosen are absolutely perfect a hundred percent yeah and it's funny too because you know that m2 port that we got of the original outrun has those extra songs that were uh, just made, you know, newly. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, it's funny because those songs have become such a such a part of, of sort of the Outrun lineage to me that, like, when I go back and play 2006 and they're not there, like Cruising Line and uh, Camino <laughs> and stuff, it's it's disappointing. But um, I guess that's you know, that's why, you know, we need a, another, another poor of Outrun too. But the one thing that I wanted to call out, uh, one last thing from these interviews uh, that struck me as as super interesting uh was 
you know, Sumo is working on on pouring these games, and they're trying to find ways of of uh, sort of you know expanding the content. So naturally, a way that you would do that with the game with an arcade racing game is to provide reverse or mirrored versions. Uh, and they they realized you know early on that they wanted to do this without Run Two. So <laughs> there's there's just this fantastic exchange uh, with um, with Paul Porter and Darren Mills from Sumo where they talk about how these tracks are built and that you can't take a free camera to them because you know part of the reason they look so good on this old hardware part of the reason that you know the PSP version looks aside from resolution like you know just as good as as the Xbox or PS2 versions is because the games were actually very optimized to uh, the the field of view that the player had and that's why you can't turn around in Outrun 2 or 2006, and there's no replay mode. And, and these were things that didn't really, you know, I, I never thought about until I read this interview. Uh, so, so I'm just going to go through some of the things that they say. And, and Paul Porter says that it's built like a film set. As long as you've got the camera pointed in the right direction, everything looks perfect and pristine. But if you allow the camera to turn around at <laughs> all, you would see that everything is just cardboard fa uh, faces. Um, and then he says... I'll never forget when we wanted to add more content to the game. One of the things we wanted to do was reverse the tracks. The look on the Japanese faces. <laughs> you want to reverse the tracks? Are you crazy? We were like, oh, well, we'll just change the chevrons and it'll be, no, 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 you won't. And then you look at the track and, and you say, ah, so we're going to have to reposition everything. So, yeah, I, I what I really want to do, because I know we have uh, guys like... Uh, Admister and Pez2K and and really talented people in the time extend community who just um, uh, deconstruct these these old racing games. I don't know what it would take to get a free camera into Outrun 2 or 2006, but I really want to see somebody do it and just be able to turn it around and and just see nothing. You know, these one dimensional <laughs> buildings and stuff because that's got to be that's got to be just really funny. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you, I wouldn't have even thought about it this way, but it does make sense now because you think about the technical constraints a lot of games were facing at that time, and then you compare it to how stunning like Outrun Two looks. It, it all makes sense now. I, I just, oh man, that description as well of it when they suggested reversing the tracks. <laughs> oh man, I, I would love to see what going in reverse one of those tracks would look like. It must. Like it must be an absolute hell, like laugh. Yeah. It must be. So they were able to do it. Um, you know, they they in 2006. I can't remember if Outrun Two had reverse tracks, but 2006 obviously does. Yeah, uh, they did it. Yeah. So I guess they did just kind of turn everything around. <laughs> but later <laughs> yeah. in the interview, Mills says that you know it was a nightmare when we did reverse the tracks. They weren't built to have bunkies going the other way. Now bunkies was I guess a bunkie is a Jap is the Japanese word for the junctions. So yeah. uh, he says that, you know, you were supposed to drive around the corner and onto the track, not off the track into a long straight. Ah, it took some real work. Yeah. You'd find that when you reverse the track, you would come off of a track backwards onto a junction section. And then as the new junction was, the new section was loading in, it was loading in over the junction you were driving on because everything was pointed in the wrong direction. Just these logistical sort of you know nightmares or just just unforeseen consequences you know th there's a lot this is such a great interview because there's a lot of discussion um both directly and indirectly about the differences in japanese game design as opposed to western game design or uk game design and these guys are talking about how you know the the i don't know if the japanese way or just the way that you know am2 did for outrun 2 but they were set on only rendering and and just optimizing the experience for everything you could see. Uh, and the things that you couldn't see, uh, they, they just hid because that allowed the journey ahead, which is all that OutRun is about, to be as beautiful and as smooth and seamless as possible. Whereas like a Western developer might have made those those other sides of the rock or the tree or the mountain or something that, that normally would be uh, invisible to the player and I think it's just a it's a really interesting discussion I, I remember as a really quick aside when I uh, studied abroad in the UK and I went to um, 
University of Sussex for a semester. I took a 3D modeling course. And it's the only 3D modeling I ever did. Um, but the the professor was very he would talk about how, you know, don't waste your time because at the end at the end of the semester we basically had to submit a JPEG of the scene we created in like Autodesk. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. Don't waste your time rendering things that will not be visible in the JPEG. Like <laughs> Only model half of the spaceship that can be seen. You know, only model half of the planet that can be seen and stuff like that. And and it's when you read things like this and you and you go through experiences like that that you realize like, wow, there's there's so much smoke and mirrors uh, when it comes to design. And it's I just find that stuff fascinating. Oh, absolutely. It's masters of the craft at work and obviously you're getting to see a bit behind the scenes um, in terms of that assignment it is funny because I think from a mindset point of view having to model half of a visible spaceship is probably more difficult than doing the full spaceship because you're like almost trying to code your brain to like make something that shouldn't really make sense but make it look twice as good as the thing it would look like if it was the full, the full spaceship in view so I can only imagine in the case of the original Outrun, or, or Outrun 2006 as well, I suppose, um, actually trying to get into that mindset of only work on what we can see, but still make it look as if the other part is there in some capacity. Like, it's just, it's an interesting challenge, and I think, like, as we we move on in games development, it seems to be that fidelity is the main focus in terms of making things look incredible with the power that's available, whereas I think back even in the PS2 Xbox era, it was like, how can we balance fidelity with that feeling of like a complete world because we, we can't just render every object indefinitely because it would just fucking take up all the computational resources. It, it's just, it's interesting to get that little bit of insight because when you look at this game and see it in motion, your first thought isn't, oh, I bet that isn't actually modelled on the, the, the rear arse of it or whatever. <laughs> it's like, yeah. that looks incredible. It, it's amazing how they were able to design these tracks. That, you know, the draw distances are, are phenomenal in this game. You look at some tracks like uh, Cloudy Highlands or um, the yeah. one that's on the Snowy Mountain. You can see so far. And then you, you think about some other tracks um, like the Forest or... Uh, God, I'm, I'm forgetting some of their names, but you know they're they're tighter and they're more intricate, and you, and and you can't see as far. And this game does both of those environments really well. You know, our, our last episode we had Paul Lavelle on. We were talking about his experience as a level designer in Colin McRae three, four, and five, and you know he was comparing what they had done to or what they were able to do to the WRC games that Evolution Studios was making, and. Uh, how you know they weren't able to provide the same draw distances that the Evo engine could, but but they were you know focused on developing a, a more a more richly intricate experience in those tight stages. And Outrun Two, again, it's not something that we really think about today because you know game development doesn't have these problems that it used to have. It has different problems, but yeah. to be able to just see into the horizon forever. Um, you know, I have to, it's hard for me to put myself back in the mindset of being a kid and seeing that for the first time, but it was really jaw dropping, you know, to start out in sunny beach or whatever it's called and see, you know, see the water going on for miles and miles and the reflection of the sun. Uh, th these are still beautiful games and, you know, whether you're playing on a PSP or, you know, a PSP emulator or an Xbox uh, or a PlayStation <laughs> 2, it, it comes across. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody's got those certain stages, I think, that's like permanently burned into them. their brain as a beauty moment in this game. Um, for me personally, like the Aztec Ruins level and uh, the, the Snowy Alpine one we were talking about are just like so meticulously crafted, it's beautiful. But then there are individual moments in other stages as well, such as when you come over, like the kind of the curve at the top of the hill looking down to the massive waterfall where the hairpin is and there's just so many beautiful moments in this game and almost hearing that they've been crafted in this manner makes me appreciate them even more because it just adds to that kind of Hollywood aesthetic the game almost has just like that this is too perfect to be real life and I'm more than happy to accept that like the 
the brightness of the colours and the, the, the actual colour palette itself as well. You think about how this game looked in comparison to what was becoming the kind of hyper-realistic trend of games at that point. Like, games were definitely more trending towards the more kind of dark, gritty colour schemes. But like Outrun 2 and Outrun 2006 just like absolutely scream arcade racer and it's a term like the whole blue sky Sega thing that's a bit it's a bit of a myth for me but like if it, if a game was going to have that aesthetic like Outrun definitely personifies it in this entry because there is not one like screenshot of this game that you could look at and be like Oh, that looks pretty drab. Like, there's always at least the, the burning bright red Ferrari, or the, the incredible visuals in the background, or the just even the, the HUD as well. Like, when you're getting heart attack requests and stuff, it's just so, like, beautifully in your face, and it, it's just an absolutely perfect game in that regard. Yeah. And I think, you know, with 2006 lacking those Daytona and Scud Race tracks, there were always the... the uh, you know courses that i went to to kind of give me back some of that feeling and like the metropolis uh i believe it's called and the the yeah um what's the other one casino town yeah and sp like yeah. those tracks are just to me those are those are peak scud race so you yeah. know there are circuits <laughs> or there there are locations i always make sure to hit um and, and they remind me of other games, whether they're Sega or not. Like, uh, the hardest stage in the original OutRun 2 is Cape Way. And that's, like, kind of on the, you know, the the coast of the Mediterranean in Greece or something, right? So it reminds me so much of, like, Coast of the Amalfi in Gran Turismo 4. Uh, or yeah. the uh, the Mediterranean tracks in Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2. Uh, just the, the breadth of the environment. I mean, that's what OutRun is all about. Right, because you can experience pretty much every biome that exists in the world in these games, uh, but I think everybody has that that ideal, that favorite route that they do. Um, even you know, I was talking with some people in the Discord today, and, and somebody said that they absolutely hated skyscrapers, uh, which is tough. But like, even the ones that are hard, it, it, it's always enjoyable to go through them because it's like you know, I was just in a jungle, or I was just in you know the middle of Egypt and seeing pyramids and you know now I'm on the Brooklyn Bridge uh it's an experience that only Outrun can provide so if, if we're talking about games if we're talking about the journey you know there there is obviously a reason why why these games have stood the test of time yeah absolutely and to me like in terms of the actual gameplay itself as well I think we've kind of alluded to it throughout but like for me, like I don't really look at this as a racing game at all, to be honest. I all power to those that play it as such. But any time I used to play the online uh, versions of the game, like Outrun Online Arcade, I suppose, same lineage, I would always just be shocked at the amount of people trying not to drift so hard so they could take the corners that little bit faster and stuff like that. You can play games however you want, of course, but that just escapes me. Like I've always felt Outrun's that nice balance between how to get to the end within the time limit while still looking stylish as fuck while you're doing it and that kind of oh, race other drivers side of it where people could be that, that trying to basically game the system almost I've just never really got on with that for me it was always just about the kind of mission mode stuff I think the heart attack stuff still phenomenal like I love how it goes from like oh yeah your girlfriend wants to see you drift around a corner and then like two stages later it's like don't get abducted like, yeah. I love how the special it requests. just fucking escalates yeah. like that they're <laughs> yeah, insane exactly. and dribble the the um, the beach ball around the corner while drifting and stuff like it's just Some absolutely of those are brilliant so hard to do too like <laughs> yeah. those are difficult the, the hit all the ghosts and I think that's that's my one complaint about Outrun 2 is that it's just not the kind of handling model that comes naturally to me. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. you know, I love games where I'm drifting and stuff like that. Like, that's fun. You know, drifting is fun for me in Daytona. Uh, it's fun for me in certain Ridge Racer games. But the handling in OutRun 2 is very stiff and very heavy. And I think that, you know, the stages in this game are all designed to accommodate that handling model. But it leads to a lot of frustration doing the hard attack mode. And also some of them like have really, really tough corners. Like I'll always remember there's like 
uh, I think Coniferous Forest is pretty bad about this, and Canyon is pretty bad too. There's this one really tight right-hander on Canyon where like you're kind of coming up a hill, you're you're going over a crest, and you yeah. really can't see it until you're there, and you just inevitably slide into a wall. And like, you know, I'm not saying the game needs to be easy and always make it easy to negotiate these corners, but like that's a situation where I'll always feel like if the handling in this game was a little bit tighter and you know, the, the, the drifting was, um, th there was more nuance to it instead of just carry on forever. Uh, if it handled more like say Daytona USA two, um, yeah. then I would have been able to get around that corner and have fun doing it. But you know, that's just why outrun two is just not, there's no handling handling model you can compare it to, you know? And, and, and that's why this game is so distinctive. And I don't necessarily um, dislike it for that. I just kind of appreciate it for, for what it is and how it's different from all those other games. Because uh, it really is a different experience. Like, growing up, I didn't really play manual uh, with a lot of racing games. But yeah. OutRun 2 makes it so easy because really the only time you ever need to shift is when you're entering the corner, you'll downshift and then upshift. And... and at that point it's not even like it's not even like daytona where you have to think like okay i'm going from fourth gear to second gear like you just go down a gear and you're sideways and outrun so it's pretty easy to um you know drive manual in this game if you're someone who's not used to doing it and you need to if you want to you know get some of those faster times but again you know like you were saying brendan uh, being the try hard was was never it isn't my intention in most games, but like an outrun, it really isn't. It's just not like what I what I come to this game for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I mean, well, you're an absolute fan of um, Crazy Taxi, for example. That's, that's the that's only one example <laughs> of a game. <laughs> but that's like an example of a game where it's like intrinsic to enjoying that game to the maximum is getting incredible at it. I would say, like getting that ability to get really good at the game. Whereas, as we've talked about throughout, like with Outrun, I feel as if anybody of any skill level can enjoy it. And I feel as if if you go to that, if you try to go to that same extent that some Sega racers almost encourage in terms of getting absolutely masterful at it, it just feels as if you're, you're applying a science to what is effectively a, a piece of art in the sense that I feel as if Outrun 2 slash 2006 is there to be enjoyed and marvelled at. I never, I've never felt that inclination to somehow get incredible or great at it because I just feel as if that strips away the magic quality that it has, that it just whisks you away. That's it. 100%. And, you know, the good thing about Outrun 2 is that unlike a lot of old racing games, there are a good number of ways to play it um, today. You know, it would be great to have a port and to be... To be brutally honest with you, I don't think that you could ever really count out a port, count out a port of of Outrun to to any hardware because yes, it's old, and you know you would think that maybe Ferrari wanted, would want to show off some like newer models and stuff, but I think this game is such a singular achievement that I, I would not be surprised if you know we just learn that you know they were going to bring it back and had ferrari's full backing and everything but until that day comes um you know there are a number of of ways to play the game not so much on on new hardware although you know if you have a pc there's this wonderful emulator called techno parrot where you can play uh outrun uh outrun 2 sp which is basically the, the delineation there is that 2006 was essentially the home port of SP, and SP is Outrun 2, but with like double the tracks. So, you know, that would be your way of playing the arcade version at any resolution you want, at any, you know, frame rate you want, and it's just a, a gorgeous experience. But, you know, if you want to use regular hardware, Brendan, you were saying you were playing on uh, a tablet, I think, uh, playing the yeah. PSP yeah. version. Uh, there are the 2006 ports of, of Xbox and on Xbox and PS2. There's the original Outrun 2 uh, port on the Xbox. And, you know, the PSP version, again, is great. So there are lots of different ways to play this game that I'm sure, you know, the people listening, if they haven't already, uh, can can figure out. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's not too hard, thankfully. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, if all the games maybe to 
to get that revival. There's just something about Outrun uh, 2 and its many other versions that it just has that kind of re-release ability, I think, that wouldn't require too much effort as well, because in the case of me on this emulator, I've been playing the PSP version with 10 times upscaled textures, and it looks amazing. <laughs> it looks so fucking good. Um, so you can only imagine that well, if Ferrari want to throw models like the La Ferrari in there or whatever, then fair enough. <laughs> I'd happily take them if they're offering it. Um, but who knows what the situation with licensing is these days in racing games. Because for every one that we think shouldn't be that difficult, we have heard the stories and we, we, we hear the references about how certain licenses and getting things through the, the kind of the door now is just that little bit harder for whatever reason so sadly even though it'd be great to have you, you do understand that those are the challenges but thankfully as you're saying adam there's just so many different ways to experience this game and it's many different kind of outfits so it's not it's not as if it's incredibly hard to find or anything like that it is definitely worth experiencing though and it's 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 really one of a kind, and it, it only makes me sad that we didn't get any sumo digital developed uh, ports of Scud Race and things like that, because I definitely feel as if there's evidence here to suggest that those guys would have knocked that out of the park as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in, in one of those interviews, actually, um, Damien McFerrin, who I think runs, uh, not runs, but but is a you know one of the more prominent editors at the Nintendo Life, he... Uh, had an old interview with someone from sumo and was asking like hey were you guys ever you know working on a scud race or a daytona that ever come up and they were just like no we you know we poured those tracks but but that was basically it but yeah sumo clearly has a a a deep understanding and i mean we have to talk about uh i mean not not really go into it because honestly i can't remember because it was so long ago but outrun even had a track in the you know sega all-stars transformed right it did, so, it did indeed, yeah, Outrun Bay, yeah. Um, which instead of taking that famous left-hander that led to the tiny hill before the junction, you take a right-hander through the beach yeah. onto the waters and then turn into a boat and get to drive alongside the the yachts that are docked at the bay before arriving back uh, just before the start line again. So it's, uh, it's a different way of doing that track, but um, that that is amazing because it includes a a version of the Outrun Bay, um, sorry, no Splash Wave um, Euro Remix, but it's also infused with dubstep for some reason. It's <laughs> well, a very, it was 2010. A very <laughs> odd remix, yeah. So, so 2010s, yeah. Um, and the power of that Euro Remix still comes through, and it's very listenable. But it is definitely an odd experience. But like you say, it's it's one of those ones as well where, if I recall, I'm pretty sure Flagman almost ended up a character. And transformed as well. I think I read that somewhere. Yeah. He was on a short list for one of the DLC characters that ended up being football manager instead. Which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that is hilarious. Um, what, one of the, the small things I like about 2006, I might as well bring it up now, is like when you, you beat Flagman, like the missions tagged Flagman, it comes up like Flagman has been completed onto Flagman. Too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that weird like wording was always like, okay, is this guy just like took over this guy's job and he's been commissioned yeah, or the sequel what's going on man. here and i'd like to remind people that if you know you have that ps3 or that 360 lying around uh you can provided you bought online arcade which was the hd port of uh of sp um and kind of 2006 it doesn't have all the content because that was back in the days where like xbox live arcade games needed to be under like 250 megs or something so they were really tight for space but if you um, you know have those those old uh, consoles and you purchase them back in the day, because obviously they've long since been delisted, you can still play them. Uh, I, I fired up a 360 and re-downloaded it and uh, was playing that you know a couple months ago, early in the pandemic. So yeah, there. If you know yeah. where to look, there, and I'm, I'm sure there are also ways that you could get a hacked, you know. 360 or PS3 and play it. I have no idea how that works, but it, there's probably a way you can do it. It's really interesting as well, like found Outrun Online Arcade, because it released in 2009, and then it was taken down from PSN in 2010, and then subsequently Xbox Live Arcade in December 2011. 
it's almost like Sumo just wanted to kind of get this out the door to, to get another Outrun game out there, like, before that license expired, because it's such a short period of time for that game to be available. Yeah, that's like, like, uh, Scott Pilgrim, that game was delisted, you know, famously, relatively quickly, but I, I think it made it longer than a year. A year is a very short time. <laughs> and the same thing basically happened to uh, Sega Rally Online Arcade, too, so... Yeah. Yeah, those... You know, it's one of those things, like, with the right person, if you listed on eBay, like, you know, 360 or PS3 with, like, Sega Rally and Outrun Online Arcade, most people will not care. But if you were to find someone like <laughs> us, we would, we would pay top dollar. You know, it's like uh, one of those PS4s that has PT on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. If you, if you had a PlayStation 3 console with Sega Rally Online Arcade... Uh, Outrun Online Arcade and GTI Club GTI on the PS3. Like that's like the the holy trifecta of PSN racers that are just like lost to time. And I don't have you played GTI Club. I have. I it's, have talked about this so before, so yeah. GTI Club. I I got uh, GTI Club Plus or whatever the hell it was called back in the day yeah. on my PS3. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think at a certain point I stopped. I switched accounts. So ah, I right, yeah. have an account somewhere with GTI Club on it, but it's not the one I use anymore. And um, yeah, it's it was a good game. I, I don't feel compelled to really go back and find it. But I don't know if the uh, if the PSP uh, and or the Wii version is basically better, or if you would really want to go back and make sure you get that PS3 one. Yeah, it's, it's an odd scenario. Obviously, we don't want to deal with the podcast here, but um, <laughs> like, it's it's very confusing. So, GTI Club Plus is a remake of the original arcade game, um, right. but brought up to date with brand new visuals, lock sixty frame rate, blah blah blah, some new cars. Also, also by Sumo, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, also by yeah. Sumo, yeah. Um, and then. Um, I forgot about that. Super Manifesta is the arcade game that was brought out in the late 2000s. <laughs> and mm. so it's like almost a sequel to the original arcade cabinet, but the Wii and PSP versions are based off of that rather than the original game that GTI Club Plus was off of. So I'm not sure what Konami was smoking that they decided to do it that way, but um, yeah, it's funnily enough Sumo. Yeah, <laughs> I totally forgot it was them that did that as well. Yeah, they they were, uh, you know, they they were basically making all the all the arcade racing game revivals. So they they miss out on Ridge Racer, but <laughs> otherwise they were there. Damn, now I want to play GTI Club. Oh, we need to find a way to get an episode on that if we can locate that account that's been long gone in the test of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, is the real quick? Is the PSP one good or? Yeah, the the PSP it, and Wii yeah? ones are actually really enjoyable. They're very similar okay. to. Um, they're very similar to uh, the Penny Racers games as well, depending on how much you've played them, or Gadget Racers, or however many names those games had. So those ones have a lot more content, and there's some like, fun mini-games like Car Football and stuff, so there's some like pre-Rocket League stuff in there. Um, those games are good as well, to be honest, and they're a lot easier to find. I know in Europe, physical copies of those game, that game on the Wii, sorry, goes for like £95 plus, because it was like such a limited release, so... That's an oddity in itself. I'm sure there's a way I can I can just get it on my Vita, because um, like I have the jailbroken Vita. But yeah. wow, there was a there was a GTI Club Two. I yeah. never knew about this. <laughs> yep, a sequel in 2000. Wow, GTI Club is a it's a game I honestly didn't even know existed until I I played the the PSN version. Like I. I played that and then only after that discovered that there was an original arcade game from like the mid 90s and uh, just totally been lost to time but yeah I guess now we have to do a GTI club episode, so. <laughs> yep add it to the list of how many episodes we've got <laughs> to get through <laughs> alright well it's been fun talking about OutRun and uh, you know these are uh, you know obviously fantastic games and it's good that we could finally Finally, do it justice with the podcast and and get back to Sega Racing, which is uh, always my favorite topic. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, given it's our favorite topic and we have covered it so extensively, it's funny that there's still so many other uh, Sega racers we've got to talk about. So it won't be the last time we talk about a Sega racer, that's for sure. <laughs> Definitely. So 
uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Um, you know, as always, like to put a message at the end of the show that if you're listening to this and you are not uh, involved in the Time Extend Discord, uh, please reach out to us, message the Twitter account, time underscore extend, and we'll, we'll just give you an invite for you and your friends. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just that simple. So, uh, yeah, come talk about cool racing games with us and, um, you know, yell at Fernando for his love of Enthusia or something. <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty much, it's pretty much a, a tradition at this point. Yep. So, Richard, like, shout to Fernando for liking Enthusia and also ensure <laughs> that you've played Shocks before asking to join. I, I'm kidding. That you, too, you don't that have too. to have played Shocks, but <laughs> it would help you. <laughs> There's when you when you join the server, there's a terms and service, and uh, two of the terms of service is you have to give Fernando crap for liking Enthusia, and you also have to play Shocks. Um, no, not really, but think it about now. It sounds pretty funny. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thanks everybody for listening to this episode, and uh, we will be back again one day, someday, sometime. Thanks for listening, guys. 